Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Thank you guys for the really cool comments and for enjoying the YouTube piece about us teaching manual transmission as much as we genuinely enjoyed doing it. We, mm-hmm. When we were in the middle of it, we were kind of like, this is really fun. And I'm so glad that came across. Yeah. I, I think more people are commenting on that piece than would otherwise normally leave a YouTube comment because possibly. it evokes so many memories of when they learned yeah, to, to drive right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, I, and I'm loving all the comments, so keep that coming. And uh, I love that you're deciding. Everybody's being really nice if you notice that. Like, everybody gets a gold star. Everybody yeah. just did great. Good job, everyone. <laughs> everyone talked the funny. same. Everyone drove the same. But but it, it, it's kind of a love fest, which is actually kind of cool to see in YouTube comments at all. So thank yeah, you guys indeed. for enjoying it as much as you did. And there's much more coming with those cheap sports cars. I've been driving the Z4 a little bit and then alternating with the Lotus, which is an interesting experience. Yeah, back and forth. Because shift. they both are really fun. Mm-hmm. They both have pros and cons. And the Z4, in spite of having no steering feel at all, which is the Lotus's you know, absolute first thing yeah the z4 yeah. has no steering feel at all and yet i still get in i'm just like this is just fun it's still fun it's absolutely still fun of course car. it is yeah i got the cayman out for a little Good bit over you. the weekend i got it all buggy because it's springtime here in utah oh, and yeah. just splattered the front uh-huh. end of the windshield but nevertheless i got it out it needed to roll it just, it's off the tire cradles now it's off the cradles Look at you. okay finally yes Guys, we are coming up on episode 600 on Thursday, May 6, 2021. So that is the episode mm-hmm. after this one. Yep. It is a YouTube live stream, and it's going to be held at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern time, which is mm-hmm. all questions. So we'll be uh, you know, announcing via social media, reminding everyone, but this is the official time announcement. So yes. love to have you jumping on with it's questions, ideally asking them in the live stream. It's hard to you know corral all the questions that come mm-hmm. in on email and uh, elsewhere, but we'll be looking at social media and the live stream feed yeah. itself. So we'll look at the social media stuff all. prior, and then we'll see all the ones that are happening live as it happens. And again, just so you know, if you don't see that that YouTube live stream, we do the same thing we do every time. That'll be on our YouTube channel. It'll stick around. However, the audio only version will become Podcast Six Hundred that will release Friday as normal. Right. Well, we've got a great topic Tuesday here, introducing Craig Martell, who is head of machine learning at Lyft. Craig is a fan of the show. He let us drive his Lotus Evora S Mm -hmm. years ago Mm -hmm. as a test drive video. Yeah, it's a white one. It's still on the main channel. Yeah, Yeah, still on the main channel. He is head of Lyft ML. That's Lyft Machine Learning. He's He's a Lotus and a Porsche enthusiast. (laughs) Yes, he is. As you will find out. So he's a super car crazy guy like the rest of us. But Todd and I have been following his career as well as being users of ride sharing. And we were intrigued when Craig moved to Seattle to join Lyft. So we invited him on to help us understand more about Lyft, what he does, and how machine learning actually relates to Lyft. So we are calling him now. Hey, Paul. Craig, you got both of us. Yeah, man. It's great to have you. Thanks, guys. I keep thinking about your Evora because I I loved how much we drove that. You still own that, don't you? I don't. Oh, I hadn't heard this. Go on. Yeah. Um, so I have young kids and um, it just wasn't working enough to take them with me. The backseat, as you know, is, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's I, I call it a one plus. It's no, it's a one plus one. You can have someone in the driver's seat and you can uh, have someone either in the passenger seat or in the backseat. That's fair. So I like it, that. Yeah. It, it, it's a one plus one. And so it wasn't really working to take my kids. And uh, so I painfully traded it in for a, a subpar Porsche 911. 
Painfully. Subpar. Painfully. What is this? I like painfully. subpar more than anything. Garbage. I'm, I'm typing Come that on, down. Guys. I don't know when I'm going to reuse that, but subpar <laughs> Porsche 911 oh, practically dude. should be a shirt. Anyway. What a joy to talk to you two and make and, and, and uh, bring up Lotus and Porsche in the same conversation. Yes, that is the fantastic. Same, same so, sentence. Which could put us at, at each other's throats. Which is Really, we're, we're off to a, to a roaring start here, so, Craig. Thank you for that. The audience, Craig generously let us drive his Lotus Evora S. It's been a few years now. It's been a few years, but, but it's the one on the main channel. Yeah. Yes. So he's been a fan of the show, and that's why we wanted to have him on, because I wanted him to talk not only about his job at Lyft and educate us about machine learning, which is pretty much my first question, but I also want you to sort of rectify your car enthusiast love against what you do in tech. I want you to kind of put that together. But we'll Connect get the, the dots. Yeah, you know, I see that. Yeah. yeah, sure. Porsche. Sure. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> but anyway. No, I'm, I'm actually totally kidding. I, I love the 911. Of course oh, you Sure, backpedal now. just to make you angry. 100-yard backstroke. Now, yeah. now, I, now I, that's a shirt I want, actually. I don't even yeah, know what it I, means, but it's fun. You know, I can start <laughs> people yelling at me at a Cars and Coffee. Now that we're all wearing masks, too, we can, I can have a mask on and that shirt. Right. I, I look like the villain of the Cars and Coffee. It's great. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll start when it says subpar 911. Yes, exactly. The shirt just says subpar 911. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I want that too. Yeah, people, for- <laughs> I'm trying to get off the subject, and you won't let me. <laughs> we're gonna take. We're gonna see how many people write us and Great. say they want that shirt. That's the, that's the new twist. Hopefully zero. Anyway, Hopefully we do have a lot of shirts of currently on Blipshift. So if you haven't oh. been there. The, the subpar 911 shirt is not on there, yeah, but there's a nice Lotus that. shirt, and there is an, actually a nice pro 911 shirt on there as well, just there to is. balance the world. I already own that one. I Craig, start us out, if uh, you would, and talk to us about a day in your work life. Um, so I've been at Lyft uh, since March, so ironically, I, I took the job uh, just before we all got locked down, mm. and so I've, I've never met my colleagues, and I've never been into the office other than wow. through Zoom. Wow. <laughs> And so I've never had to drive there or talk about cars with anybody either, which is frustrating. It's just frustrating. <laughs> I run a team called LiftML, and we do two things. We have a, a set of machine learning experts whose job it is to sort of walk around the company and help the scientists uh, uh, get even better at ML. So the scientists there are amazing, and they do really cool work. And then I also have a team called Machine Learning Platform that delivers the underlying engineering to make machine learning fast and efficient. So if you think about Lyft... Uh, it's a particularly challenging task. I'm just talking about the app now. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about level five. One of the hardest things we can do is figure out which car should pick you up. And I don't mean, <laughs> Paul, should we pick you up on a Porsche? Indeed. I mean, uh, uh, what's, what's the close, who's the closest driver? Mm-hmm. Uh, once that driver picks you up, what's the best thing for that person to do next? So there's, there's lots of marketplace issues. There's lots of dispatch issues. You know, we, we know it's the case that there's going to be a rush over here once this concert gets out. How do we start uh, moving cars in that direction so there's, a, there's plenty of cars available there so mm. people aren't waiting too long? The kinds of science questions um, that we ask are actually fascinatingly difficult to make something as simple as press a button, a car shows up, happen. And therefore mitigating people's frustration. When it doesn't show up, yeah, exactly, time, right. or because we want you, we we want you to press the button more than more than once, right? We yeah. want you to come back. Like, yeah, I yeah. see, so. I saw you just turn right on the map. I know where you're at, <laughs> but indeed, it didn't update because it didn't bounce off the right satellite, and it's actually <laughs> untrue. So, you know, real time tracking uh, is that the kind of thing that you're thinking about? Yeah, no, that's so. So that's a really good point. So that that th- there's machine learning there um, because excuse me, the sampling of the satellite isn't always fast enough. Sometimes we're making a little guess so about where the car is. is. And sometimes we adjust true. that guess. Yeah. Yeah. You see it on your GPS as well. Like there's, mm-hmm. for some reason here in Seattle, uh, right as I'm passing by the university, when I'm on 520, anybody listening will know this, my car all on the screen, my car always gets off at that exit. 
And so then it freaks out for the 30 seconds while I'm passing that exit. Mm. And then suddenly it, you'll see the car on the screen come back on the on-ramp. And then suddenly it's me again. So, you know, <laughs> right. the, 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 there's always guessing and trying to, uh, to align it to, to what the screen says. Okay. So all this notwithstanding, what is more of the specific focus of what you're doing in it on a daily basis, I guess, you know, with, you know, taking all, all this into account, what kinds of things are you thinking about from your car enthusiast side of your brain to, you know, your work related side of the brain and what kind of stuff do you consume and think about and issues that you would lead your team? I think the biggest thing to say is uh, machine learning over the last 10 years, five years, three years, one year has um, changed pretty drastically in, in the techniques uh, and the effectiveness of those techniques. So we spent a lot of time figuring out how can we take most recent results and make them effective for our customers, right? make them effective for the teams. So um, if there's something that's just come out, well, it, it's something that's you know still in research phase, we're probably not going to use it. But something two or three years old, we really want to start thinking about how that can either save computational costs, uh, make our drivers more efficient, make our drivers more money, make it faster for, for us to get to riders. Um, we're thinking about this all the time. So the, as much as we can, we want to take state of the art uh, and apply it. So I'm hearing that your emphasis on machine learning is kind of top priority, I suppose, because this is really the customer service experience. Yeah, mine is because that's, that's my what job. You do. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but Craig, Craig, you've you've illuminated something for me though that I hadn't thought about. When I think about Lyft, I hear the words Lyft and machine learning. My brain instantly, and I'm sure you're not surprised by this, my brain instantly goes to, oh, they're trying to make autonomous pods that pick you up. But you're at a place yeah. in a in a yeah, you're at a place in a granular place right now today that is how does the app track getting you the rider on the curb into a car yeah. better? You're using it that way yeah. in the in the yes. the real term right now. Absolutely. And, and so now I'm speaking just as Craig, and I'm not speaking for Lyft in any way. I don't know when we'll have driverless pods. I don't have a strong sense that we'll have driverless pods next week or the week after <laughs> or next year or five years. We might because things are moving fast, but we might not. <laughs> and so I, I think it's awesome that we're trying to get there. But in, in the interim, we need riders and drivers to be able to work, work well together and to get where they're going. Interesting. Okay. I, I like that you've made it much more real because it's the thing I know you've heard us talk about on this podcast that, you know, all of the general press would be that we're all going to be driving electric pods next week. Well, not even driving them. We're just going to be sitting there right, we won't on our driving. phone while the, while the pod goes. And we're always like, wait a minute, everybody hang on a second. We're not anywhere close to there yet. And I realize you guys are working on it, but I'm fascinated to hear the fact that you're working on stuff that, again, I normally think of as, oh, that must mean autonomy. You're working on it in just user experience to pull yeah. down the data from the satellites and push it into my phone and have my phone talk to the driver's phone so that I'm not standing here in the rain for 10 minutes, essentially. Absolutely. And there's even more sort of boring things like how can we make, how can we make customer service more efficient for you? How can we make, how can we automate customer service? You just happier quicker, for example, or if you didn't like that driver because they brake too hard um, and you say, I don't want that driver anymore. How do I get that into the model? So drivers like that are less likely to be recommended to you. Right? Oh, so there's interesting. A, there's, a larger thing. Okay. There's lots. Think about shopping on Amazon, right? Or mm -hmm. um, when you say no to something, that's a signal that goes back into the system. When you say, when you click on something, that's a signal. When you don't buy it, that's a signal. 
All of this goes back in to help making the predictions better for you on Amazon or on Google or whatever. So that we're desperate to <laughs> click again. We got to click again. <laughs> yes, but you brought something up. That makes me think you fixed the problem, but you didn't fix the problem because that's still a bad driver. They're still doing that same bad habit. You just well, but, fixed but, the problem with but, a click okay, but, over but here. Craig, Craig had lifted. I didn't say a bad driver. Wait, like I can hear the PR people in my head. I didn't say a bad driver. I said a driver that you didn't like. I understand. Fair enough. Fair because enough. someone because else may have liked the way they break and turn corners. Fair they point. may have enjoyed that. Yes, because because Craig is not a miracle worker. He can't he can't make the satellite like give that guy an electric shock and a message comes up on the screen and says, You gotta break differently. We can't pull off okay. that. That might so, that'd be cool. I can hear my comms team right now saying, Craig, why did you say you're giving electric shock to drivers? So I want to be very clear. <laughs> said, by the way, I said that. that. <laughs> I said that. Craig's not even suggesting that. We're just laughing about it. Yeah. <laughs> my team is small relative to all of the amazing science going on right so my, a, a lot of the stuff i'm talking about is just lift in general and the, the work is really fascinating which is why i took the job in the first place that's very cool i'm, I'm curious in the world of okay let's just assume we're all going to be in autonomous pods which you know grumble grumble but Do we in, have in to that assume this? in that world is is the discussion about Let's make a single vehicle that that is the lift vehicle and all of our tech is in that, or is the idea to be able to make tech that can be in any vehicle? Oh, that's a great question that I simply don't know the answer to. Okay. I, 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 I don't know enough about what's going on level five and what their goals are. That's interesting. I spent but, a, a short time at Waymo experiencing. I've experienced level five. It's mm -hmm. interesting. It's fascinating. I really enjoyed it. But as far as democratizing it, I don't see it coming. Level five, the company or level five, the level of autonomy? The level of autonomy. You know. Oh, so we should probably clarify that, right? Level five is the name of uh, Lyft's uh, autonomous vehicle research wing. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Oh, I, I wasn't aware of that, as a matter of okay. fact. All right. Yeah, yeah. So when I'm saying level five, I'm, I'm talking gotcha. about our, our, our company. You're oh, talking whose about goal is obviously level five. Yeah. You're talking about your skunk works versus Paul's talking about the right. fact that Waymo, the, he was in a Waymo test vehicle that did that level of autonomy. It was yeah. Waymo Beta, and yeah. uh, I enjoyed it. I know that that's there, and... and What's interesting is the news cycles of all the car content we enthusiasts consume mm -hmm, mm -hmm. dominate in terms of not only electric cars coming, and yet it's still what I believe less than 3% of the market at this point, less than 3 to 4% of the market it's, it's a small as far as ownership. Yes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also everybody talks about autonomy, and yet when some new car comes out or Todd and I drive a, you know, the new car that's just a gas-powered car and it's fun – that doesn't get as much attention because this is where things are going. Obviously. Well, this it doesn't get as much attention, I think, from the world at large. I think enthusiasts, we've all kind of dug our heels in and go, give me a real car, please. True. But, True. The, but the general consensus for anybody that is not as car-obsessed as we are is that, well, I mean, let me just get in a pod next week, which, by the way, not coming next week. It's You're going to be waiting on that curb for a long time. Yeah. So here's my experience. That I, I, my most recent acquisition is a, a Mercedes E450 wagon. It was it was leftover 2019 brand new and I I, I absolutely love it. Okay. And it's got we, we owned a 2015 E Class before and its its lane keep assist was so so and it would bounce back and forth. It was kind of I mean it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I was super excited to see where Mercedes was and it's amazing. It it just stays in the lane like 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 this sort of uh, um, assisted assi I don't know level two level three I don't know the levels Paul but the, uh, the 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 cars just assisting you in driving are really remarkable now and the Mercedes if you take your hands off the wheel and put on the blinker it changes lanes perfectly mm -hmm. Interesting. I showed my friends I showed my wife and I have not used it since 
Interesting. <laughs> for, Interesting. The, for the life yeah, of me, yeah. I have I have no idea why I would use it. Okay. It just it makes okay. sense. Why do I need a car to change lanes for me? I just don't understand it. Mm. That's interesting. We've had questions from the audience about the level of tech. And as you know, we drive a lot of brand new cars sent to us by the manufacturers. And a lot of the newness of a car has to do with safety systems, Mm -hmm. boasting about the latest version or the updated version of, we we like the rear cross-traffic alert. We found that actually quite helpful when you're backing up. Especially big SUVs, yeah. Various things are welcome and and. You know, actually pretty important. But other things like kind of where we're going as far as our conversation, is there going to be a point where it will be optional to deselect the safety systems you don't want? Because now it's sort of like – See, now, hang on. All of the lawyers just gathered around the speaker right now. With, what is he saying? What is he saying? Deselect? No. Because it takes away – from the fun of driving that you just identified. You know, it's really interesting that you said that because it's very hard to not have autonomy on in the Mercedes. So I do like if it warns me if I'm drifting. I do like if I'm backing up and I, I, I can, it tells me that someone's doing – or the cross-traffic. Yeah, alert, yeah. Right? yeah that's nice. great. Um, I like that. Right? And I also really like the, the adaptive cruise control because that's, you know, your foot gets tired on a long trip. There are way too many buttons to push to turn on just adaptive cruise control, mm-hmm. but not the steering in the Mercedes. It's mm-hmm. really hard, mm-hmm. right? And then it, as soon as you turn the car back on, you have to go re- redo that little pattern in order to just get that one adaptive cruise control. So uh, it does feel invasive to me. Hmm. Interesting. The car's yeah. not clairvoyant. Or, or, or big brotherish. Brother-ish. It just knows. It just yeah. knows what you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, it knows. What, no, it knows what you're supposed to want. It's just if you, as an enthusiast, don't want those things. Now it's really confused. And it makes it. It's, it's almost like I sometimes also wonder if it moves in the menu. The, the car. So I wonder if these systems get oh, in place. Where it's like I'm going to move that so you can't find it next time because it's supposed to be on. <laughs> you're, you're chasing the functionality. Yes, you're chasing the function the through the through the touch screen. Like where did it was here last time? I swear. Uh, we we have a Lexus That's in the drive right now that is a a press car i'm not a big fan of their interactive system anyway right now i don't think it's very intuitive but i swear to you my wife and i both dug through a system and we both wound up at the same place we thought a a thing should be and it wasn't there Hmm. so we had to go well where else could somebody put it maybe they are moving i think they might be trying to (laughs) run away i think so yeah i do think they're making i think they're making it harder and harder with every new update of the system i just uh, to, to turn these things to turn these things off it, it's been at least an interesting thought to entertain about what if I don't want that safety feature? Mm-hmm. But then in the future, when there's crashes and something went wrong, it's easier for people to point the finger at you because you were the human element and therefore the unknown in that element. Well, if only you only had that safety system that you installed, you see, checked the box. On now, your, see, now the lawyers are breathing easy. You know, now, now the lawyers feel happy about it's the fact your that you acknowledge that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you didn't want that safety system. I think most of us think of us all of us as the person you don't have to worry about i got this <laughs> you always think you're a good driver yeah you always Who do admits I, to you craig I, that I, they're I, a actually, bad Todd, driver. I did, yeah i think just last week Todd, the, the one i heard last week you said something like well i know that i'm driving fast but and other people know that might think i'm not safe but i know that i'm safe you're right <laughs> yes, you're right this, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I mean, it, it was the one with your wife. It was mm-hmm. the one with your wife. Totally. Yeah, we, we talked about the fact that I, I don't believe that 
driving fast means you aren't driving unsafe. I think you can drive fast and safe, but I totally understand that. I go by somebody. No, but I, I definitely laughed at your yeah. quote unquote self awareness that that you're the safe one. <laughs> well, but but at the you same time though, you, go, you go by somebody slow, and if the, and they are going to think you're being reckless. That's absolutely fair. I totally understand that. And everybody thinks that their version of fast is is plenty fast enough. And their version control. of safe is plenty plenty safe enough. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Which absolutely means the true. adaptive cruise control is if you don't get out and get around them and turn it off and punch the accelerator, is going to follow that person. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's yeah, what's yeah. always bugged me about it. Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you were going 75, and now you're going 63. Why am I going? Oh, it's that like, guy. Oh, it's the guy ahead of me. It's that guy. Oh, Darn it. Paul, that's fascinating, though, because you just implicitly said that you wanted more autonomy. How so? Well, you said the, the adaptive cruise control irritates you because it doesn't go around the car. It just follows them, right? Yeah. The adaptive cruise control is, is just there so that my leg doesn't get tired. But going around the car should be my choice. I don't think I want. I don't think I want uh, the car to decide that for me. Oh, I don't think Paul's saying that no. because because that's the thing. We we deal with adaptive cruise control and we get ourselves kind of stuck because we're in the middle of doing a road trip or something and we suddenly are like why do I feel like I'm going so slow and then we realize it's because the adaptive cruise control saw that car that's going 5 or 10 miles an hour slower than us a mile ago and has slowed us down to hang behind that guy and then we go oh we got to get around him well we don't want the car to do it we just realize oh okay whereas when I'm in the expedition I've got a 2012 Ford expedition with normal cruise control you uh, that's what it's Neanderthal cruise control what do you do it is Neanderthal (laughs) so you set it on 75 and you're going to run into the back of the car ahead of you which means you got to pay attention, but mm-hmm. therefore I didn't yeah. lose speed. I didn't lose my momentum. I'm still going my <laughs> you just, speed. You ran into him and pushed him along at your speed because it's your expedition. <laughs> it's I expedition. see where you're going. Right, yeah, right, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> not, not what I'm saying. I, I just I want that. I don't want it to think for me. I don't want it to slow down because then I'm like, I see. I see. I'm I see. slow down. <laughs> Wait. Oh, it's the adaptive, adaptive cruise control. Darn it. Do you feel like there is a car culture at Lyft? Or is Lyft a, 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 a look? I'm painting broad brush here. Is Lyft a tech company that is providing us a service, or are there actual car people or a car culture connected to Lyft? Yes, yeah, so that's a really fascinating question for me. So, number one, I, I simply don't know because um, I, I don't get to hang out with them, right? You haven't been I, in the everything office yet. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I mean, and, and and all my interactions are via Zoom, which usually means it's a meeting, and there's no. In, in between meeting, hanging out. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. So uh, sure. that, that's, it's been a really weird year, right? So that's so that's a tough one. On the other hand, I think you join a company like Lyft because you believe, to some degree, cars shouldn't be sitting still. They should be a commodity that are u- that are used all the time and not just, like so the, the common story, right? For for ride sharing is most cars are used two percent of the time or nine percent of the time or whatever the number is, and they should be used more often. I think ride sharing implicitly is probably not as car enthusiasts. I think cars are seen more as appliances. That's sure. just a guess. Sure, I, sure. I, 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 since I haven't been in the office, but yet. I, I do see it as a, a bit uh, symbiotic. Is the wrong word, but coexisting, I suppose, because Lyft sponsors the Sundance Film Festival here in Park City, and so we see the the ability of Lyft to get film goers around town to different film venues mm-hmm. to watch, mm-hmm. you know, premieres and all that kind of stuff. And so I look at it as like, great, you know, it's helping the town actually move and not get bottlenecked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know your algorithms are going nuts at that point. Really focused they on have Park a Sundance, City. They have a Sundance filter at Lyft. I'm just like sure apply the do. Sundance filter. Sorry, go on. <laughs> have you come across the Park City like film festival? Like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Oh yeah, we sponsor that. I have to say, personally, I have mixed feelings, right? The, when ride sharing uh, actually lets me borrow a Porsche on the track, 
Maybe, maybe that's pretty oh, cool, right? This is a good idea. <laughs> there you go. All right. But, you know, my car's just sitting there. Maybe I should give it to some crazy random person to let him take it around the track. So you're going to take um, a lift to the track where you're going to get a lift for your track car. I like, okay. Oh, I, there, didn't, I didn't see this sub, sub area. I'm impressed. Keep going. Yeah, I, I don't speak for the product team at Lyft, and I have no idea whether they're thinking about doing that. They're shaking their heads right now is what's happening. Right. And they're yeah, calling no, the lawyers, I think I just but got, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, um, uh, but I look when if I'm going into San Francisco or if I'm going into Seattle, you know, and, and let's say my preference is to drive a manual car. And for the first time in my life right now, I actually don't have a manual car, which is depressing. Screech, um, what? Uh, yeah, I know, Screech. I know. <laughs> um, but if I'm going into the city, taking a lift is way better often. Sure. Right? Get, yeah. Getting in and out fast, yeah. not having to park. I, I'm on board with that aspect of ride sharing. I yeah. don't think I'm on board personally with making private automobile ownership uh, obsolete, you know, which, which is kind of a ride share goal, right? Sure. Theoretically, that it's just going to be this thing that you only get when you need it. I take your point there, and yet all of us are going to hang on to our cars along that that vein. What do you have in your garage right now? You said no manuals. What do you have? Yeah, it's a it's it's a pretty good garage. Um, I've my my wife still has her Range Rover. Okay. Um, I have the nine nine one point two two thousand seventeen Carmine Red. C2, not a okay. C2S. Right. Um, That's the subpar 911 that was referred yeah, to earlier. Gonna, yeah, uh-huh. do we, are we back? Yeah, yeah. Keep yeah. going. Keep going. Yeah. Well, it's, not, it's not an S, right? So it must be subpar, right? Go I'll tell you, I, I chose the, the base over the S purely for linearity of the engine. Uh, in, the, mm-hmm. in the turbo engines, I, I really found the, the 991.2 S to, be, uh, to have more turbo lag. And not, not as okay. not as not as smooth as the base. I realized that I like that sort of growing swell of torque as opposed to the instantaneous hitting you in the, hitting you. Sure, uh, right. sure. You want to feel like you have to earn at least a little bit. Carrera S, a little bit, but not as much as the naturally aspirated of the prior generation, which took forever before you got the torque. So I'm sticking to your uh, uh, Todd. I think the last time we talked about this, I'm sticking to your view that it's the the point twos that are the best. Right? Yeah, so the, Paul and I talked about that. They, they, yeah. they seem to sort it out even more in the point two. Not that the point ones are typically bad, but the point twos, they sit there <laughs> and they figure out. Things. Yeah, but they, they really right. figure out it's more than just a facelift for sure. And then I looked at the 992s and they seem too autonomous for me. Interesting. I, I, like, okay. They, in what they, sense? You now have autonomous. What do you mean? Well, there's now, well, it's very digital and the dashboard's all digital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, they now have adaptive crews. Like they're starting to, they're, they're starting to, to, to become slightly too technical for me. Interesting. Okay. All right. You want a little more analog experience. That's that's intriguing. That's All right. Keep going. Okay. Well, I, I used to drive a Lotus, right? Yeah, so that, for that, sure. That's, hey, buddy, I'm with you. Can I we totally make that it. shirt? I used to drive a Lotus. Well, yeah. But now I own a Porsche. <laughs> oh, I Can see we where you went. A subpar Porsche. Then there's my, uh, then there's the uh, Mercedes wagon, um, which I really like. And then for getting around in the snow and skiing and so on, we have a, a a 2020 Ram 1500. Um, oh wow! Okay. Which is just a remarkable, remarkable truck. I'm blown away by these new Rams. Uh, did you get the huge screen in that in that thing? The yes. Big, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The, the new Rams are quite impressive, and I'm going to say it again: winter tires. You're 100 correct. We went skiing in the truck. It doesn't have winter tires. I wanted to take my Porsche because it's the only car right now I have that has winter tires on it. 
I just couldn't fit the whole family in skis in it. <laughs> I would have liked to see that. If that would have been if cool. If you manage yeah. that, please send the photo. Yes, for sure. Well, that, that's a good varied garage, and those Mercedes wagons are kind of the ultimate dad car in a lot of ways, so that's actually very cool. The torque, and it's only the 450, but the torque is great. I will say that the C63, sorry, the E63S version is calling my name a little bit. I can understand that. I mean, here's the crazy thing about the Highly Mercedes lineup right now, because we've driven a lot oh, of their yeah. lineup, and we actually have driven just about every variation of their big boy SUV, the GLS, and we started with the mm-hmm. base model. We weren't driving around in the base model going, this is just underpowered and boring. <laughs> so then you compare that with the fact you have the big 63S at the upper end. It's like, why is this this powerful? Their, their lineup is yeah. crazy right now, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the 450 is a really nice compromise. And I'm telling that to myself because I don't have the 63. <laughs> You're convincing yourself even more than us. I see how that's going. Yet Craig, it is, it is awesome to hear your perspective. And I, and I like – I'm going to overstate this, but I think you'll follow me. I like kind of the war with you of the fascinating with machine learning and, and integrating that into Lyft both right now and in the future, but also being a car guy who goes, no, 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 give me back something to work with. Yeah, yeah I want to choose. I want to choose. I, I see that because I, I see wanna, you at the I mean, tip of the so, spear. Sometimes I do. Sorry, Paul. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say I see you at the tip of the spear of both that. And you, you're kind of walking the line between the two. So I'm thinking about what I want next, right? Because I have this disease where I we all do. Yeah, we all do. I, I periodically buy a, I buy a car. I lose a bunch of money on it. And then I buy another car and lose a bunch of money on it and so on. And your wife says, um, again? You're yeah, talking again. to the right <laughs> audience. Yeah. Uh, on the wife front, I'm very lucky. My minister of finance uh is slightly addicted as well. Oh, She's good. at least addicted to car shopping. Oh, well, there okay. you go. That makes it go. easier for sure. And, yeah, yeah. And her Range Rover wasn't cheap, so, <laughs> so I don't feel that bad. <laughs> Nicely done. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I don't know whether I want the Taycan or the Audi version, the, the GT. E-tron the GT. e-tron GT. Yeah. Yeah. It's really gorgeous. I actually think the e-tron, e-tron GT is better looking than the Taycan. I both inside and tend out. to agree with you. Hmm, interesting. All I right. Think stylistically, there's more more going on, but the Porsche is cleaner, and I think they had to because of their history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Audi's tied to no such thing. Well, and Audi's been well, a I little also, more grandiose than the than the Porsche lineup, sure, which obviously is sure, yeah. you know slight revisions over time. And Audi's been a lot like Audi pioneered the grill must be a shield movement that we're all doing now. I mean, they pioneered that in the 2000s, so they can take the lead with bold strokes for sure. Uh, the worst version of which is the 440i, the BMW 440i. Oh, the the worst iteration of that. The yeah. the Beaver yeah. Teeth. Yeah, that's that's where we end up. Yeah. Is exactly. <laughs> this is what what that has wrought. Is Audi starts with the shield grills, and now we have Beaver Teeth. So thanks Audi, I guess. Which is exactly. weird to say thanks Audi for what's happened to BMW. But <laughs> this is how odd the car world is right now. So I, I have a confession. And I'd like to share that confession with you guys. You guys can be my my. We'll we'll, my we'll be we'll be your church for a minute. That's okay. fine. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I actually built out a, a the build sheet of the the E sixty three S. I watched recently the the one you guys just did again on the five hundred, the Mustang five hundred, uh, Shelby five hundred versus the ZL one, and I thought, man, oh, sure. I miss a ZL one. I, I miss a a big V eight supercharged mm-hmm. engine. And the confession is, I said to myself. I think that's over. I think mm-hmm. that's old. I mm. don't think I love I don't think I love that anymore. There's something really fun about the the torque of an electric car and the 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 low center of gravity and the way it corners. I, I think I might be making this shift in my head. I'm an old man at this point. Fifty six, <laughs> I'm not that old. But but 
but I, I'm starting to feel like I'm making the shift towards towards the new hotness, and and these V8s are looking old and crusty. Well, I think that I think that electric power, when people experience it, I mean, look, Tesla has built an entire brand on it, but the truth is, this is electric cars, not Tesla. When people experience right. the instant torque and acceleration that exists in an electric car, and you step back into something that is an average—I don't mean super powerful—I mean an average gasoline car—you're like, wow, electrics mm-hmm. just feel right. better. And so there Fair. is that shift, and and you also have had the life experience of having a ZL1. So, I mean, the big things we talk about here, I know you've heard this, is we talk about getting different experiences. And there certainly is a thing where once you reach certain milestones of, well, I really like this about a car, if it's that instant torque, there's really nowhere else to go than the electric world. But it can't be too instant because I test drove a, a Model 3 uh, with whatever whatever crazy mode it was, mm-hmm. and um, – I started getting car sick almost instantaneously. Like they, they got to get it right. You got to have this for really? me. For me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have this, you have to have the swelling of the torque. It really just can't hit you. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to work that punch, but it can't just hit you like a brick. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's gotta, it's gotta grow with you. And that, that's, that's where I go back and forth, right? That's where I want to V eight. Because the V8's got this beautiful growing of the torque. Yeah. Sure. yeah swelling, yeah. swelling of the torque. But I'm, I'm hearing driving love regardless of the power oh, of mechanism. For I'm sure. still hearing driving for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Despite yeah. being, yeah. like I said, at the tip of the spear, I mean, you're, you're in it as far as what is happening as far as the tech world is concerned and in relation to cars. But you're also this enthusiast, as Todd said, mm-hmm. but I'm still hearing driving from you. I'm not hearing, yeah, yes. let's just let that go. Oh, no, not at all. And so, so here's where I think machine learning has made me the happiest as a car enthusiast and it's why i don't have a manual transmission Mm. transmission shifting in modern automatics is so unbelievably good because of machine they've learned and they pay attention and they under different conditions they shift differently like i watch you guys on on your videos and you're shifting at the track i never shift at the track anymore Mm, like i just let the car i just i just let the porsche do it for me Mm -hmm. because it's so good and I don't think I'm anywhere. I'm not as good as you guys. So I, I'm, I would be nowhere near good enough to, to best that. And so that creates a kind of joy of the, for, let me focus on different aspects of the driving. Mm-hmm. Um, if it were manual, that would be different, but th- I don't really find a joy in flipping the paddle anyway. And so, um, the, the fact that transmissions have gotten so good at being in the right gear at the right time has freed that part up for me. And let me just think about the line. Let me think about the turning. Let me think about, uh, uh, acceleration, wow. etc. In the corner, I can see a few people grabbing pitchforks and and, and torches. And I'm going and I'm going to back them off here for a second because I will say for track use, this is a big thing we talk about when we go to Germany yes, and Spa yes. for pilgrimage. Is we really encourage people. You know what? Especially for the ring, just getting an automatic. You, you, if you really want to drive a standard, fine, but get an automatic because there's so much going on. Take one variable out of the equation. But there's the flip side, and that is if you're not driving a car to either be as comfortable as possible on your commute or you're driving a car to be as fast as possible on the track, there is that the rest of us that are looking for how do I just be as involved in this process as possible? How do I strip even yep. more things away? And that's a place where a manual, I think, will always, I hope, I'm crossing fingers, you can't see it, I hope always survive because that is, I talked about it on the last podcast, it's a all four limbs chair dance interaction with the car mm-hmm. that you're right. The, the transmissions, PDK from Porsche is the leader. Transmissions have gotten so good, they know what gear, they're there already. But 
I'd kind of like to do it. Back to your adaptive cruise control thing. You want to turn off everything to get just the layer you want. I'd be very fascinated to see how electric cars and potential autonomous cars solve the problem of electric car doesn't need a transmission with multiple gears. How do we interact? What happens if you retrofit? Oh, the back. Porsche has one. The Porsche has two gears. Yes, fair. But if you want to go back to a, you want to take a classic car and put an electric powertrain in it, and you want to maintain right. the fact that it has a stick shift, is that possible? How do we do that? What does that feel like? I'm intrigued to see where that lands. I'm highly inconsistent about this this thing. I'm Great. highly inconsistent that, about it. Fine. Whatever. Often That's when okay. I'm dri- uh, often when I'm driving the Porsche, uh, you know, part of the reason I didn't get get a manual is because there wasn't one around for me to buy, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, this that. one was beautiful. And then you're on track uh, so, going, this is brilliant. I do get that. I do get it. And then I'm driving home from track going, eh, this is boring. I'm being mm-hmm. honest, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Like, it's very hard to get joy out of coming out of a corner in that car without going way too fast mm. on the street, right? Going way too fast mm. um, or pretending like I'm enjoying the shifting, but I'll be I just don't enjoy paddle shifting. It doesn't mean anything to me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I, I, if that's not shifting, there's I guess a, I need, I guess I'm being inconsistent and need both. But there's a takeaway here that I just heard when you were telling us about machine learning as it relates to the driving experience. Do you feel that there is potential for ML to improve the driving experience in the future despite manual or despite automatic transmissions? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, Because I was starting to hear something alluding to that from you. Because of how good the the transmissions have gotten. I see where you're going, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. That's a great question, Paul. I wonder if you think about things like um, what the steering feel should be for you. What what, Mm -hmm. It it could learn your preferences. It could learn your preferences, I think, on... um, adaptive suspension right like whether sure, you, whether sure, you like sure. a, like one of the beauties of the lotus right is there's a lot of lean in it but it's but it's still uh really tight on the ground mm-hmm. uh where where that magnetic stuff the, mag, the gm magnetic ride uh you don't lean as much but it, maybe it's a little bit rougher so maybe it learns those things maybe mm. it learns the maybe it learns how you like to steer i could imagine something really cool with uh, learning your preferences for rear wheel steering, mm, right? Where where a little bit more, a little bit left, less depending upon the uh, gas. It, it can see cars now can see the road ahead, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it can see the road ahead and set the car up slightly differently based upon your behaviors. I think there could be a lot of fun there. Well, I mean, you've this got, is interesting. Yeah, you've already got with cars. You obviously you've got the thing where if you've got the memory button or you have a certain fob and your wife has a different fob, the car sets itself up connected to that fob or that seat uh, position that you just hit. It sets up lots of things, and we're getting to more and more things that can set up. I see where you're going. Where yes, what if that also changed the steering feel and the amount of rear steer and the way that the car actually throws power around? That might be driver centric as well. The potential is interesting. But even more, Todd. What? To- what what if it what if it adapted on road conditions type of corners right like what if sure. it just learned learned your shifting well, your shift pattern drive by wire is a dirty word among enthusiasts because it means well you totally have any steering feel all that's gone and I don't need that just give me a shaft with a bolt and I, you know I'm good <laughs> <laughs> yeah well let's be clear the, that infinity is exactly that yeah they've tried <laughs> so, terrible experience yeah you're right but you're this is right. version 1.0 at best we're at the cusp of that's that. true and i'm i'm hearing a little bit of um optimism from you in that sense how about uh openness how about okay. openness because right. fair enough to me these are these, these are questions i think we probably still need a rack that that or or the shaft going down to the rack we probably still going to need that but i don't mm. know mm-hmm. electric st- like we all screamed 
I'm sure everyone in this on this call right now grabbed our pitchforks and screamed heresy when uh, there's electric when there was electric steering, right? Yeah. Like, bring back hydraulic. Bring back hydraulic. Yeah. But you know when hydro- when hydraulic first came out, there was no feel at all. People were screaming, "Bring back manual!" Sure. Bring back manual, sure. right? And the electric so, steering has so, come world since then, for sure. As far yeah, as giving you back something right. to work with. So maybe, so I'm open, Paul, I guess is the answer. Skeptical, but open. It's a good place to be, to be honest. It's good to hear that from you because I've been in the tech world and we hear that, oh, tech's going to take over everything. But then I'm also hearing a different story from you. Like, yeah, we still want driving. Still still fun. You may be giving me too much power, but you know what I really hope? I hope the horsepower wars end soon. We because are we are all going quite fast. We all we all, we all do have quite quite so a bit I of power. Hope the horsepower wars in soon. You, I'm not there. You don't. I do. I I'm, don't. I'm, I know. I'm I know. Well, but, but I'm well over don't. it. Yeah. Yeah. They just they just ruin the experience. I just don't think I, when you have a car that can do 600 horsepower and you're only going 40 miles an hour, it's it's a boring drive. It's mm-hmm. the same thing you say. Mm-hmm. I say all the time, right? You want a slow car fast, not a fast car slow. I think so. Yeah. I certainly do. You, you and I don't agree on that necessarily, Paul. But not I definitely always. feel that way. I, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it's hard and fast necessarily, mm-hmm. but it it depends on the driving experience. Depends on the car. But I do like power. But I've always associated power with noise and that power that comes along with the hard acceleration, which is mm-hmm. awesome. But not I'd love that. But not an electric car thing, which is another weird. But twist. the electric car yeah, thing, yeah. and so that means it has to get better. But I'm hearing openness from Craig. <laughs> That's where we're going to leave it. That's <laughs> right? good. Craig, it's really cool to yeah. have you on and to debate this from so many sides at once. It's Because this is what Topic Tuesdays are for, Indeed. is to just raise something where we all kind of go, wait, what are we talking about now? And we don't come to a conclusion, said, but we talk what? about, yeah, exactly. We'll get letters either way. It's going to be fine. But both sides of me are making the two sides of your audience angry. I, I, of course. I feel both ways. Oh, we, we, the, <laughs> the two of us do a good job of angering pretty much everybody listening every podcast. Anyway, so it works out Funny. well. Yeah. Funny. I remember, remember, I just want to be clear. Let's let, let the audience know the first car I emailed you about was a ZL1, and I'm now saying I want the horsepower wars to be over. So there's definitely an inconsistency in my behavior. So, <laughs> so what we've concluded is that, is that Craig works for Lyft in machine learning, and he's quite conflicted. This really is the, is the tagline of this entire discussion. I am not conflicted about working at Lyft. Let's make that perfectly clear. It's an awesome job that I love. Fair enough. (laughs) Well done. We hope you're actually in the office soon and figuring out the car culture there, and we're curious to hear more as uh, as all of this develops. Craig, thank you so much. Absolutely. It was good reconnecting with you guys. We're really proud to have Covercraft as a long-running TV and podcast sponsor. That's because Covercraft not only makes the best custom-fit car covers, but also has all the products you need to keep your car ready for car show and travel season. Products like seat covers and dash covers, sunscreens, and more. All custom tailored for your vehicles and made with the quality and attention to detail that has been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. All of our cars are an investment from our personal fun cars and SUVs to our crazy cheap sports cars. Covercraft is focusing on protecting the car, SUV, truck, or boat that you love too. Whatever cover or sunscreen you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. You can follow the link from our sponsors page for high-quality covers that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. So the interesting thing about that, on top of all of the discussions we just had with Craig, the other thing that's really cool about it is the fact that new things have happened just since we talked to him. There are certain topics that you notice he had to kind of walk carefully. And actually, since that (laughs) call... Lyft has announced that Level 5, which, again, Craig isn't part of Level 5, Level 5, their full autonomous learning thing, 
has been sold to Toyota. Yeah, it's actually a uh, subsidiary called Woven Planet for $550 million. Mm. And so it's $200 million up front, you know, the, the rest of the deal to be paid over the years. But that was pretty interesting. I mean, our conversation didn't really go where I was expecting anyway, but I, I was just coming yeah, in yeah, open yeah, going, what, what, how does it relate? But, mm-hmm. So that was fascinating. But also since our conversation, Craig has written to us telling us that he has bought a Lotus Evora GT <laughs> because after all this Lotus talk, he mm-hmm. missed it. He decided, wait, I really, I do miss my Lotus. So he bought an Evora <laughs> GT, which is the, the penultimate version of that car. So bravo he, on that. He, yes, I agree. But he didn't get rid of the 911 either. So now he represents both of us. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'm not feeling sorry for Craig. I'm really not. That's a good job. <laughs> Craig, thanks again for coming on. Hope you guys enjoyed that and many more guests to come. DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform around. It's simple. By connecting car owners with renters, DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving. That way, renters can find cars that bring out the awesome at every moment, and owners can earn extra cash to fund their passion. That's why I posted my car. To sign up, cruise over to driveshare.com or download their app for iOS or Android. That's driveshare.com. We've got a bit of time to jump into some questions. Mm -hmm. And we're revisiting, actually, a few questions from before. So thank you guys for asking so many. Seth K says, what is your one guilty pleasure when it comes to vehicle features? Mm. You know, the one thing you must have on a car. For Seth, it is a heated steering wheel. You never had one until... Year and a half ago, when he bought an 07 BMW E61 wagon, that he had heated steering wheel. And he says, since then, he's added an E350 wagon and gone through a Range Rover <laughs> to an Audi S6 to a Kia Stinger. And every single one of those cars has had a heated steering wheel. I I agree with you, but heated seats is still on my priority list. I mean, yeah. that is sort mm-hmm. of a, if it doesn't, then it means it's a fun car like my Cayman. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. don't really drive it in that cold of weather, so mm-hmm. I don't really need it. And it, it doesn't. But for the most part, I would say heated seats is number one. Uh, heated seats and Apple CarPlay are the two that I definitely yeah, lean on agreed. for sure. Agreed. Thomas uh, G22 says, what's our favorite exhaust look? I didn't think about this until this question, honestly. Dual, quad, single, in the middle. What do we prefer the most? I mm. really like, and it's not on a lot of cars. I really like quad pipes, two on either side. I you just do? love that look. It looks great. It is cool. The, the, I admit. the other one that I absolutely love that's very unique to the car is the one that was on the old E-Type that was the dual pipes coming straight up the back all the way to the bumper. They like yeah. stick up almost like a tail. It's, that's really cool. Now, granted, you can go further into that. I forget the Japanese cultural name for it, but you can go further into that and you have the weird exhaust pipe sticking up into the air. I don't like it that far, but I like the <laughs> elegance of it on the on the E-Type. But the quad looks really cool. I Yeah, it, it does look cool, but I'm such a fan of center exhaust, whether they're side by side mm-hmm. or they're just slightly apart, slightly separate. Separated like GT3s and mm. 911s and Caymans and all everyone's that stuff. very surprised you know, by that I answer just, from you. I really like all that stuff. Let's see. Kirk M has a couple of questions. He says, "Which one of these would make a most interesting safari build to design?" He went way back. Mm. Triumph TR8, Ooh. AMC Sprint AMX. Ugh. <laughs> so that <laughs> one didn't win. Okay, got it. <laughs> a Cougar XR7, Alfa Romeo Milano. Ooh, I hmm. That TR8, because it's so wedgy and small and tiny, that kind of intrigues me the most. The rest are kind of interesting, but I'm guessing you went back to ooh, 70s and 80s for a lot of these. The Alfa Romeo probably is second on my list, but the Triumph TR8, the, the TR7 made such an impression on me as a kid because mm. the, the neighbor's sort of deadbeat son had one across the street. And I was wondering, <laughs> like, why do you live at home? But nevertheless, you've got a really cool car, but why do you live at home? He was like... Funny. 
I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's pretty funny. But he had that car, just made such an impression on me. Just wedge-shaped sports cars yeah, yeah, yeah. and tiny little things. It was cool. So I guess Triumph is up there. Triumph, yeah, we need to build one, right? Damn it, Patton is back, and he says, what piece of automotive knowledge do we know but we're very scared to share it because if we share it, we identify ourselves as a older car enthusiast. Mm, mm. I have a couple. Yeah. Oh, you do? One is knowing what a choke is on a car. Wow, that's pretty good. And the other good. one is knowing what an eight track is. <laughs> Forget CDs or tapes, yeah. folks. Can you look at a dash and be like, oh, that's an eight track player? And do you can understand you, what that means? Can you identify that? Yes. Yeah. Well, I can, but, you, but I tell you, the number of people that are standing at chip cars and coffee, they're going to be like, a what? A which track? What? What's going on? Is that the four wheel drive system? What's an eight track? You're absolutely right. Well, as a matter of fact, if you're listening to this on Spotify, the Spotify ad wanting you to subscribe. The, the female announcer says, well, you know, thanks for listening to this instead of an 8-track. If you knew what an 8-track player was, well, actually, I think we both do. It's frightening, yes. I actually know this most arcane piece of information, and that was when the center high-mounted stop lamp was first introduced into cars in the United States. 1985. Wow. Okay. But I was in like fourth grade and, you know, I, I was so obsessed and I, for some reason I was in a Cadillac <laughs> at the time because my grandfather drove Cadillacs. Sure, yeah. I didn't know if they were cool or not. I was just like, okay, Cadillac. My That's grandfather the coolest had, car in your life. Yeah. He turned over Cadillacs when they had 15,000 miles on them. He thought they were, you know, used up at that point. <laughs> and he just went through Cadillacs and I just had followed it along and they introduced it in 1985. And I guess I just know that. Tino uh, says, do we think Honda will bring back a new car to follow in the footsteps of the S2000? Do we mm. think it will compete against the 86, the Mazda RF market segment, or will they go fat and compete with the <laughs> Super 400Z? I don't really consider the Super fat necessarily. But I, but I see his point though. That is yeah. a different market segment. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they need to um, figure out what their future is first mm. And they're dabbling with all kinds of things. Honda as a company isn't as big as Toyota and BMW and Mercedes and GM and all these other companies. They consider themselves still kind of small. So that means they don't have the resources necessarily for things like their own autonomous driving division Mm -hmm. or the entire hydrogen division doing new power plants or the entire division over here doing only electric powertrains or, you know what I mean? So they have to really figure out what they're doing first to sell cars Mm. And then explore the whole electric thing that's coming, which they're starting to do with the Honda E. Yeah, but that's yeah. just a step into the pool. That's just a little tiny thing that may or may not become you know viable commercially. Yeah. But then they've got to electrify all these other things or hybridize other things, I think, before they even think about considering bringing a sports, a sports car back. I, I now, agree That's with from you, a yeah. business perspective. Mm-hmm. From an enthusiast throw caution to the wind perspective, I think they would do very well to resurrect their brand yeah. because it needs it. The S3000 or the, even the S2800 that was directly marketed against the Miata and the 86, I think would be a big success for them. But ponder this as well. Mazda is littler than everybody. But the reason they do the Miata, it is their flagship car. It is a thing yeah. that they are known for, yeah. and they have kept that bespoke chassis going. They even, But they even shared that chassis with the RX-8 when it came out. That was what the third-gen Miata was. That's why it was bigger. So, And also ponder this. The Supra and the 86 are both in your comparison list, in your original question. Both of those Toyota made because they collaborated, and that's Toyota. Yeah, yeah. I, Honda has done great things with enthusiast cars kind of forever. 
their current uh, Civic Type R we love, but keep in mind that is the hottest version of a chassis they make in mass market. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that I see them making a bespoke chassis to make a rear wheel drive sports car properly because they don't they're yeah. not even, they're not even a rear wheel drive company at all anymore. That's true. So that would be a total rethink of what they're doing. And I just, I can't imagine it. As much as I'd love it, I can't imagine it. Only if that that platform were developed to accommodate future hybrid or electric powertrains. Interesting point. Think of it like Mm -hmm. the new C8 Corvette. Okay, sure. sure, That Corvette will be able to accommodate whatever GM wants to do. We don't Mm -hmm. know yet. It'll do the high performance, the super crazy high performance model. It'll do some sort of hybrid, I'll bet you. It could go all electric, batteries down the center tunnel. Mm. You know, it's really got a nice platform to start with, yeah. you know, to be able to, to mix and match things. So only if Honda were be able to do that, what could if they, they justify a rear wheel drive chassis that was intended to be an electric car and they use that engineering as a rear wheel drive chassis to also be, so you've got a smallish city car that's rear wheel mm-hmm. drive something. Mm-hmm. Think of it in the scale of the BMW i3, yeah. some sort of city car from Honda that happens to be rear wheel drive and electric, but you make the chassis in such a way that you could also make a front engine rear drive S2000 Next, but it's rear-wheel drive gasoline engine. So almost engineer it for the future to start with and then re-engineer it to use a conventional internal combustion Because at least you've done a rear-wheel drive chassis to start off with that's kind of small, and then you just package it differently. It's interesting because uh, my hot rod friend, Michael, who Mm -hmm. I talk with almost on a weekly basis, just, you know, talk cars, hot rodding, what engine he's thinking about building. So he's buying parts. (laughs) His buddy's coming in to do a... Big engine swap. He, he's got that uh, 2005 Pontiac GTO mm-hmm. yeah. in addition to yeah, others. Yeah. He wants a, a 68 Pontiac Catalina, I think, and he wants to do the Jonathan Ward Icon 4x4 derelict thing to it. Oh, man. Okay. But on a budget, he's like, <laughs> sure, leave the patina. Yeah. I want to do the ostrich skin interior mm, with the upgraded okay. everything yeah, and all yeah. this stuff. And so just by virtue of what we're seeing, Toyota's continuing investigation into hydrogen mm-hmm. and Porsche investigating synthetic fuels that discussion makes him think, and by virtue of you know just the discussion, I'm not convinced that it's all going to be electric. Oh, I still think either. there will not be an even broader selection, mm-hmm. to be honest, mm-hmm. which is actually good. There will still be electric cars, you know, and they have their place, and we acknowledge there's some that are great, and there will be continue to be mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to just dominate the market, and I think that's what everybody's sort of fearful of. Well, that's been the discussion. From an enthusiast you know, perspective. Yeah, there's been the discussion that it's because it's so little of the market right now, 3%, 4%, whatever it is, that it's going to be all of the market. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah. Okay? Just yeah. because of the infrastructure and the, uh, the actual resources to make the batteries to make it all mm-hmm. of the market, I can't imagine that happening. I think we're going to reach a place where it's 20 25% of the market fairly quickly. But I think growing beyond Which that, is fine. absolutely, it's fine. growing beyond that is going to take a long time, if at all. Yeah. And I think as that happens, you're going to see more and more of what you're saying. You're going to see more and more of, oh, my car happens to be this and it happens to be that. And I have an electric in the garage and also a gasoline car. I think you're going to see tons of that. Yeah. I think it's going to be a mix because I maintain if everybody does the flat battery between the axles, what's the differentiator? Mm-hmm. Who cares? It's badge and styling. And everybody will offer the same tech and amenities and safety features. And mm. who cares? Why, mm. why will they sell cars? Why will it be compelling to go to 
Mazda or GM or Ford. Or yeah, interesting. Who cares? So what is the driving dynamics? And so I think all of this is giving manufacturers a bit of a pause to think, okay, who, who are we? And what do we want to be? Yeah. What, what are we growing into? And how will we offer and take advantage of sales in all of these markets? Mm. Because if you don't, you're leaving money on the table. Interesting point. Yeah, we got to play right? in every pool. Yeah, if you're point. just electric, well, fine for all the people who want an electric car. But that's all you're selling to. Well, and while we're here, wouldn't I mean, honestly, if the entire five-seat CUV market, the entire mm. market, everybody that sells one, which, by the way, is everyone, and many companies, yeah. they sell multiple. Yeah. If every single one of those was electric, zero loss. Great. Yeah. Nothing, there's nothing, sure. nothing wrong with that. Not a single thing wrong with that. Yeah. But what if everything else in their lineup, the big pickups, the large seven-seat body-on-frame SUVs that haul your house down to, down to the lake or your boat, depending on how you do right, it, right. Your, your fun-ish sports car, this kind of stuff is now gasoline or it – I know it still hangs on diesel or it does this hydrogen thing or whatever. I mean, I could absolutely see that world because yeah. if you're going to use it as a commute car, that's the thing. The minute you drive an electric car – I had this conversation this week actually – Somebody that lives across from me in my neighborhood was asking me about electric cars. Okay. They don't own one. They know a couple people that do. We live in- <laughs> Is it that sort of, what's all this then? Absolutely was a conversation. <laughs> what's and, and, going and the big on? thing I said to him, I said, look, we live in Park City and we don't sit and stop and go traffic. If I did, I don't own an electric car. Instantly. Yeah. Absolutely I would. Because it just makes it, the minute you do that in an electric car, you go, yeah, we should be doing this. Yeah. But that's not the only way any of us drive. Right. Right. Open Mike Knight has a question that I'm going to try to not rant about because it gets under my skin. <laughs> he says, what's going on at Amazon Prime? Uh, he said our yes. episodes were free on Prime for a while, and now they're not, and he feels like it happened over a week time, and you're not wrong. Uh, we, have, we have made every single one of our seasons available on Amazon Prime. We're up through eight seasons on Amazon Prime right now. Only our latest season is Pay Extra because it's new, newish content, which you see with any new movie or whatever on Amazon, unless Amazon owns it, they don't own us, then it is, uh, you have to pay an extra fee to rent it immediately, okay? So that stays there for a while. But then all of our older seasons, they time out and they become free on Prime. We, at Everyday Driver, as a company, the LLC officially has made all of those free on Prime according to our interface with Amazon. Amazon is changing things. Yes, they, they are changing are. how they deal with nonfiction content, which obviously our stuff is. So basically documentaries, they're dealing with folks that are independent producers that provide them things, which is also us, which means we have two targets on our back related to Amazon kind of figuring things out anew. Now, the reason they're doing that is because they certainly have content like that on their platforms that does not get watched. But they have also acknowledged to us via email that they can see that our stuff does. So blanket decisions are bit difficult, but they're a monolith. So things are changing. And the things that you're seeing change, whether or not they're free on Prime, legitimately is not us changing things. So we're going to see how this shakes out. And I don't know what that means for our future at Amazon. Yeah, it's really fun getting those automated reply kinds of emails mm-hmm. that are very scripted and don't give you any information whatsoever. Yeah. You know, thanks for answering my question and kind clearing of, things yeah. up by not answering it anyway. Yeah. Uh, guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the interview with, uh, with Craig and uh, lots more to come. As I said, don't forget episode 600 live stream is the episode after this. I can't believe it, but it's going to be I very fun. It, yeah. If you don't, if you're not able to join the live stream, that's okay. You'll still hear that particular mm-hmm. episode and you'll hear all the questions, but bring it. We'll post up on social media and uh, save your questions for the live stream too. Thanks a million. Cheers, everyone.